Hello, and welcome to the podcasts on the work of Byron Katie. This is Ernest from theartofbeinghuman.com with session four of the questions and answers series. This episode mainly revolves around the role as facilitator, but we also talk a little about what the work has meant for my life and whether being in the work is like being in a sect. I hope you enjoy listening and that these questions and answers support you in your practice. You said there was so much more that really captured you. And can you talk a little bit about that? What has changed inside of you? What has the work given to you in your life? Oh, my God. <clears throat> well, the main... The main thing, I think my adaption strategy was to perfect myself. Um, if I could just be uh, invulnerable and, and always right and good and, um, and light and perfect, uh, I wouldn't be hurt, hurt with a T. Um, so so that's, what I, that's what I picked up and sort of went with. And, and took very far um, into my whole journey into self-development or, or spirituality or whatever we call it, <clears throat> there was definitely this underlying motive of improving myself to that, towards that point of being perfect. And, and I viewed, I viewed uh, you know, the different sort of uh, teachers or masters or gurus that I, that I sort of um, met as as examples of perfection mm. to be attained through, through hard work and, and unknown to me, but a lot of repression and putting things out in the shadow and, and not facing stuff and, and, and to sort of, uh, yeah, push everything down and away and get it under control to a point where I could uh, stand in the world and look as perfect as they did. But, but, but what, what um, of course was going on was that Underneath the surface, it's like that image of the swan, right? That that mm -hmm. glides so so beautifully around on the on the surface, but underneath the the the, the legs are pedaling to to <laughs> to make it move around, and and that was it. Like it could look very, and I think I got very good at it. I mean, there's always, I I think there's always for, for people who are sort of sensitive, you you can feel that there's something not entirely authentic about. Uh, how someone shows up in their perf apparent perfection. I think that that I think. Many people could feel that in me, <clears throat> but at the same time, I will say that I got very far with perfecting myself. I, I think I did a pretty good job of it, and but I wasn't peaceful. I wasn't relaxed. Mm. It was it it came with hard work, and then you know, in my case, some capacity for for holding complexity that allowed me to actually uh, look pretty successful with it. But there was work, uh, hard work included, and and so when I came to the work, even then, it was uh, with. Um, with that attitude and so <clears throat> with the, the motive to perfect mm. myself or to become more, you could say like Katie or like uh, Eckhart or like any of these, any of these, um, any of these people. And then after many years of, of doing the work and seeing through more and more of these layers of protection and, and uh, perfection and, and all of that, um, At some point, and, and that was, it was like a gradual wearing down of these different, uh, like piece by piece. It's, it's like a, a, um, taking a wall, perhaps. I don't know if that's a good metaphor, but like taking one piece at a time out of a structure. I, I think it's like that game where you put blocks on top of each other and you mm -hmm. pull one out and you pull one out and eventually the whole thing collapses. And I was, I guess, I guess that's a good metaphor because I was trying to pull them out without the thing collapsing, right? Because I still <laughs> wanted the thing, but I wanted it as to be more perfect, more transparent, yeah. more free. And then at some point, uh, the thing collapsed. That, that's the best I can say through just continuing to, to take these blocks out. And so this, in a very painful process, this whole identity of perfection sort of fell apart. Um, And I think it, it, it wouldn't have been possible without, like it would have been too much if I hadn't like done it gradually, step by step. Uh, then when it finally collapsed, it collapsed in a way that I could, that I could be with or that I could contain. But it was painful to sort of 
it, to me, it came like a giving up. Uh, we like the word surrender or accepting, but for me, I would say it's giving up. That was the, the key for me. Like I, I, I simply had to give up on this journey towards perfection. Like I really realized I can't do it. I, 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 I am not that. And, uh, and that was a major shift for me and also a major shift in how I now approach the work. I come, I, not coming from this wanting to perfect myself, but coming from a genuine sensitivity with myself and kindness to myself and caring for myself feels like a very different motive. There's so much aggression in the self-improvement project of pushing things out and getting things under control. And now having given up, given up on that, um, it, it feels way more like I want to meet myself in my right. humble you know, uh, incapable, deficient, uh, um, confused states, and uh, and I and I love myself for my vulnerability and my inability now, mm-hmm. where before they were obstacles, of course, mm-hmm. on the path towards this ideal, perfect, and mm-hmm. and and I would say, you know, the the whole purpose of this perfection thing was was about not getting hurt. That that was what it was about, getting to this place where no one could hurt me, and now today I find that the that the hurt that I might experience is like the sweetest thing. That's my direct path to myself and to connection with others, and and so, wow. um, so so it's very different. So that, that to me that's the key part. There have been many little steps, but yeah. like an overall journey so far, wow. <laughs> that is the that is what I've uh, received. You could say from my. Uh, from my work yeah wow yeah sounds amazing and i can feel like i'm i feel like i'm more in this self-improvement step yet right. you know this kind of like for example at the beginning of the year what do i have to change i do i have to do more sport and whatever and then i use the work as a tool of okay when i'm not establishing a habit what are the thoughts and beliefs in blocking this habit to exactly. evolve yeah and then i try to push them away sort of which doesn't really work. <laughs> right. So I find myself when I'm, I'm hurt by something in everyday life and I do the work on that on a specific moment, which is not kind of like planned or mapped out, then the work helps me. Yes. But the moment I start to go into that planning modus, yes. um, I, I, I can sense that self-violence, which is included in, um, in, in that, yeah, using the work as a tool, like a truck, basically, or like a whiskey or like, like anything that... Um, want some emotion to be pushed aside instead exactly. of actually acknowledging it. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, for, for a client or for friends, or when I do the work with friends, basically, people have motives, right? I mean, they, they do have a, a reason why they ask you as a facilitator um, for something. And so the motive is something very legitimate um, when someone is doing the work, either individual or with a coach like you. So is, is the motive a problem? Is it something, how do you deal with the motive so you're not stuck in it and at the same time not ignoring it? Yeah. Um, well, is it a problem? No, because I think, I think it, it just comes in stages. That's a very natural place to start, mirroring my own process and what you also say, wanting to get rid of the stuff that we feel is in the way of getting to the thing we want to get to. The underlying belief there is that my life will be better if I get to that thing, mm-hmm. whatever it is, if I get a more fit body or if I eat better or if I stop smoking or yeah, exactly, all of that stuff, right? So, so I think it's very natural in the beginning that that would be the, uh, the motivation. And, and then we just work with that. And in that we find a lot of relevant stuff and we realize a lot of stuff about ourselves. But of course there is that underlying drive towards say a fit body and and what we think that will bring us in terms of happiness in our lives. Um, but as I see it, over time, what happens is something similar to what I just described that we, uh, that we begin to question, why is it that I want a fit body? What is it I believe that will bring me? So we go from, from questioning the things that are in the way to beginning to question the motive or the goal itself. And that's when like a deeper uh, circle starts. It's perhaps like a spiral or something where we go deeper and deeper. And so first we are on that first level or layer where we are trying to get rid of the stuff that gets in the way, still driven by this motive. And then 
we start to question the motive itself. But but do I really need to be fit? Like, what is it I'm trying to get? Then we open the door to a whole whole separate room full of fear of death and 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 wanting to be appreciated for how we look and and wanting to attract the kind of partner we are we want to be attractive to and thinking that that will help us. So there's a whole new level of whoa, and there's a bunch of new motives then, right? So now I don't want to be fit. I just want my soulmate to show up by him or herself, right? So, so, so then we work on that. And then that's a new round of, then we suddenly realize, okay, what's the soulmate stuff? Like, why do I think I need this other person to actually be there? And, and it, it goes deeper and deeper. And I think you can't just jump in there. I, I think there is a process of, of a gradual dismantling or like um, uncovering or moving through layers or however we describe it. So I think it has its natural, uh, its natural flow. I do think that it's, it's, it's nice. I, I mean, it, it can be a bit of a challenge um, because in the work community and, and from Katie, we hear, you know, you shouldn't do the work with a motive or, or, or something like that. And then we get into that rut that you're in where you say, but I do have a motive. So what am I going to do? So, so I think it's important to add, you know, do the work with motive. That's fine. You know, and be mindful of what happens when you do just Mm. be, pay attention, you know, be aware. Mm. And, and then over time, when it begins to, when, when some of this begins to not as an intellectual understanding of what I'm saying here, for instance, but as an actual uh, experience in our work, it begins to show up. That's when we can then, then that, that's when it's nice to have heard this earlier. So you can like get a little direction on, on where you move from there, mm. which doesn't mean that it's wrong to, to do the work with a motive. It just means that there, Hey, there is deeper possibilities here that there is, you can go even deeper than this, mm. um, but you probably can't start there. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. I think it's, it's fine. Just mm. again, as I said before, you know, to trust the intelligence of the unconscious to, to know when it's ready and, and mm. what needs to come up. So, uh, so to, to, to quote Katie, on the one hand, she says, don't do the work with motive. On the other hand, she says, love the one you're with, mm-hmm. meaning in terms of what shows up for you uh, as in your worksheets or whatever. Mm. And if that is, you know, I want a fit body, love that, go with that. Mm. Don't try to second guess it. You can sp- we can waste so much time trying to second guess our worksheets or our work instead of just actually doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, much better to just do it and then it'll then it'll solve itself out. That's that's one of the beauties of the work in my eyes that it that it really does solve itself. It 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 it, it it's so organic that that we basically can't do it wrong. It will it will find its flow into deeper and deeper regions. There's just no avoiding that if we just stay with the process. But it sounds like a long process, you know, it sounds like like uncovering all those layers can take years and years and years. And then that can also create like this, like a barrier, like, oh, that's a lot of work to do, you know, uh, like this, oh, God, I got to I have so much shit in my background, sort of like imagined or real. And then we work on on, on that. And that becomes like a second life or even a lifestyle. Um, so are so, you going? Are you going somewhere? How do you mean? <laughs> it's, a, it's a joke. It's, it's, okay. it's like uh, this, what you just expressed is mm-hmm. in a way uh, uh, an expression of that underlying belief that there's somewhere we need to get to. That's true. Mm-hmm. This is just yeah. on a different level. It's, it's, right. yeah. But it still holds that idea yeah. that there is better than here. Yes. Okay. That, this that, moment, not this, this moment, but the other one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. And, mm-hmm. and that whatever is in the way now or whatever suffering I'm experiencing now is somehow wrong and should be, mm. should be moved aside. Mm-hmm. And, and, and this is, this is, this is tricky uh, stuff because it's so easy to, you know, so you talk to the Zen master or whoever, you know, who says, well, now it's all perfect right now, yeah. but that's not our experience at that point. Our experience is it would be better over there. And, and it's not until we hit some point where we open to the suffering in a new way that we realize, no, the suffering will never go away. It, this, that's part of life, that, that I'm here now with this pain is as good as being there with that joy. Uh, but but, that's, uh, but it, that's easier to see looking back than looking forward, yeah. uh, I would say. So, so, so therefore it's mainly a joke, but it's also a pointing that, 
that that is that is alive there in that idea that I that oh it's a lot of work. And you captured my motive in a way again, which yes, I exactly. mentioned earlier. Yeah. Um, I understand that. And yet when I look at someone who is kind of like an outsider yeah. looking at us or the people who are doing the work in the yeah. work community, that might also seem like we are kind of like totally indulged in it. And it and now I use this provocative word. It sounds like a sect, you know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, like we are not doing anything else. And, and, and so um, how do you respond to that? Um. It's, it's, that's very nice to know. What I notice in me is I don't really care how they see it. <laughs> like if, if, if someone wants that story, well then what does that have to do with me? And, and I'll, I'll try and answer, but it's just, <coughs> it's, it's nice to notice that, that I don't really see that as very important. It's their lives, not mine. Um, is it a sect? Are we, are we so fully... What comes up for me is that that I heard an author, and I think this is a pretty common sentiment, say that, you know, don't start writing unless you absolutely can't not do it, right? Like that, it's it's that is not it is not an easy life, and and uh, and only those who just simply they don't write. If you write to write books or to achieve something, you're never going to make it through. The, the motivation is. I simply can't not do it. I, I, I get ideas. I, I want to craft stories. It just comes out of me, that kind of passion. And I think, I think there is some element to, to that about this whole journey, be that the work or any other sort of spiritual or, or yes, let's call it spiritual or mystical practice, that it comes out of a motivation that is so deep that, that um, explaining it to someone who doesn't have that motivation or that calling mm -hmm. Is probably difficult, yeah. um, and 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 sure, I'm sure it can look sectarian in a way, just like someone who has a call for politics and can only discuss politics at every uh, family gathering and wants to be in local politics and wants to make an impact and make a difference. It's the same thing. It's it's it, it's a calling or like a huge interest for for whatever reasons that that calls people to do that or or you know whatever uh, whatever catches our passion. Mm. So, so I would say to me, the work is definitely not a sect. Um, mm. There are so many elements missing, including I do not in any way experience Katie as wanting to, she would then be the cult leader here, right? <laughs> but it's a very democratic sect in that sense. Uh, and, and I do not experience her as wanting to control anyone. She, it's really an open invitation for those that are interested. Yeah. Uh, I've never experienced in her any any sort of drive towards having control of other people. It seems to be completely not relevant or interesting for her. Um, it, it, it feels very genuine in my experience. Um, and, and I was very uh, mindful of that when I, when I met her the first times, but, but, but I've only had confirmed, it seems very genuine that she just wants to offer this thing she found. Mm -hmm. And if you are not interested, you know, by all means don't, um, and if you are, well, here's her wisdom or her experience to be shared and, and that's it. And yeah, uh, yeah and I, I want to add that, that I think part of what makes a sect a sect is also that there's some sort of power structure where you're dependent on mm -hmm. someone else. And I think that's the complete anti antithesis to the work. The work, the whole point is it's self-inquiry. Here is the tool, everything's available. You can just do it. You don't need anyone don't need Katie, you don't need a facilitator like me, you don't even need a friend, you can do it, you can do it yourself, just in the interest of truth. Um, so, uh, but yeah, but for those who are really passionate, it will catch the, because it works. Uh, so, so it becomes a big passion. And, uh, yeah. and I can imagine that that can look scary to some, hmm. uh, to some outsiders. Hmm. Yeah. When you say passion, and this passion may be also stemming from that realizations that occur um, over time, inquiry after inquiry. Um, I wonder, is there, is there kind of like a set of underlying beliefs 
that are so fundamental like you you mentioned the uh, the building blog earlier where you wanted to put out stuff and you didn't want a whole thing to crash but imagine we want a whole thing to crash a good point wouldn't be to start here but at the fundament and, right. and the thing will be crashing much faster right so is there a set of beliefs to um actually when you were familiar with the process to start questioning them to, right. to make that faster right um <laughs> you are going somewhere um uh well Using the metaphor of the of the tower that collapses, I would say what I found to be the case with the work is that, and or with self-inquiry or this whole journey, is that I see this tower there and it, and there are these blocks in it. And I and I say, oh, I want to go for the lower blocks rather than the, the higher blocks. So I go for those. And and I manage to pull some that makes a lot of the thing collapse. Like if, if or let's say it collapses, right? Mm -hmm. Yay, my tower has collapsed. <laughs> then I realized that the, the, the table was an illusion that it was standing on. <laughs> and underneath, like that, that just goes away. And then underneath there is a new tower mm -hmm. that was holding up the tabletop that was holding up that tower. So now again, I, I go for, okay, let me see. I'll go as deep as I can. And then it collapses and on and on it goes. So I think, Yes, of course, the, the, we can say in theory, the deeper you can go with these beliefs and remove them, the, the, the more of the tower will collapse. But mm. it seems that, they're key, that they're, whenever a part of the tower has collapsed, that turns out to be a building block in itself mm. in a much bigger tower, which I just can't see. Mm. So I'm, of course, limited. I'm limited to working on the beliefs that I can actually see. Mm -hmm. And within those, I think we would all naturally, or at least quickly when we get used to the work, go for the ones that seem as deep as possible. Mm -hmm. But it's always within the limitations of what I'm consciously aware of. Mm -hmm. And there's mm -hmm. so much that, I, that won't be revealed to me or that I'm not able to see until this has collapsed. Mm -hmm. So in that way, um, like, so what would be the most fundamental questions would be something to do with identity Mm -hmm. I am my body. I exist in the world. I am a separate being. Uh, I'm different from you. Those questions, and they can be questioned. But it seems that that there is there are some. There are so many parts of it we can't really see, mm -hmm. that that questioning doesn't have the impact of collapsing mm -hmm. everything above. Mm -hmm. uh, so 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 again, loving the one you will like. Go with the ones that you really feel. And then over time, you will work yourself to the identity questions if, if those were like, those are some of the deepest beliefs. And then as you reach them, you, you are able to work them with a level of nuance and, and, and complexity that allows for, or clarity or whatever we call it, that allows for an actual collapse of, of these things. Mm -hmm. So I don't think there are shortcuts. And I think the reason is that our system uh, is protecting us Mm -hmm. against two radical shifts. And I think that's healthy and good. That's why we have survived as a race, as, as like a, mm. a human race, um, that we didn't, you know, just collapse on the way, that, that we have this ability to build pretty solid structures and pass them on to others, mm -hmm. uh, our children and, and, and so on. So, so there is like this ongoing, we can call it uh, and it can feel like it's opposing us, but it's actually a protection system. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't be good if we were able to get to that level of the software. It's like mm -hmm. if we use the metaphor of a computer mm -hmm. going all the way to the bias or like the, the very lowest levels of programming that could mess up everything else in the system would be dangerous to our survival as a species. So mm -hmm. we are cut off from that. We have to go down through the, the normal channels. Mm -hmm. It seems um, that that this system of protection is very effective. Mm. Well, sounds pretty convincing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It makes sense. makes sense. Yeah, and I really trust it. I, I, I mm -hmm. again, I, I think that's a fundamental uh, thing. Like, can I trust nature, mind, mm -hmm. internal, and and the external nature? And and that's part of the journey. I, I feel that has also been part of my journey with the work to more and more, you know, develop trust in the universe or nature or whatever we call mm. it. Um, mm some would perhaps call it god yeah. that that things are that the system is pretty solid it's pretty good we, we yeah. don't have to change everything we can trust yeah. that things are moving in a, in a good way yeah uh, and we can just go along with the natural movement instead of trying to force mm. force ourselves deeper down or deeper in or 
Yeah. And about trust, I mean, we, we also kind of like have the work as a process in which we trust, but what are some practical elements of it? I mean, for example, I have that, um, yeah, I have sometimes the, the feeling that when I'm facilitating a friend that um, I'm more present and other times I'm less present and that influences the facilitation and the dance between us in a way. Um, is there anything wrong with it? Anything to do, anything to make the facilitation lighter or better for the client not for me but mm -hmm. um or is it just as it is and we accept it and what is the problem you, you feel you're experiencing i feel like when i'm not so present that i don't really hold the space for the client right. in a way he or she deserves yeah. right so that is my judgment about myself probably yeah yeah well um What I have found, let's see. I think there is a school, we could say, of inquiry or the work also, which, which is sort of wants things very pure in a way. So the ideal is you as a completely present, uh, empathetic, but, but staying in your own business, asking questions in a very attuned way role as a facilitator. Mm -hmm. And that's, a, that's, a, and that's a lot to live up to mm -hmm. uh, because that's hard to do all the time, but that, that's like one, one perspective on it. What, 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 what I have found in my own practice, both as facilitator and client is that there is a tremendous intelligence in, in that, relational space that we're in. So, so if I, as a facilitator, experience something happening in me, I find that when I bring that into the facilitation, it can be extremely helpful. Mm -hmm. Because there is something, I may be catching something that's going on unconsciously that I'm not able to put into words right away so in, in your example, if I notice myself drifting away or losing interest, if I bring that, the client might discover that, that it's because what she's speaking from isn't fully authentic, for instance. Mm -hmm. so, so, so I am more and more using, using my own um, system as like um, a sounding board or as an instrument to, to inform us, both of us, about what's going on. And, and I noticed that some of the clients that work with me a lot, they do this, they begin to do the same. They, they, they sort of bring this feels, there's something, or right now I'm just like this. So we can bring in things that aren't necessarily directly related to the facilitation, but still trusting it's because there is an intelligence that takes in the complexity of the whole situation. Everyone mm -hmm. knows what the focus is here. The focus is to work on this topic, but we don't have to narrow our bandwidth and try to repress or, or push away our experience, we can actually welcome it in as part of all that's going on. And may I ask, when you say welcome it in, your own experience as a facilitator in that case, yes. do you also speak it loud? Like yeah, I notice yeah. now, okay, that's yeah. what I'm, okay. At, 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 at times, it, it, it depends. I'm not doing it all the time, obviously. It, it's, it's um, but, but um, uh, so, so it can both be as, as silent inner experience that guides me to where, where is, mm -hmm. where is my interest going, mm -hmm. which, which informs which sub questions do I want to ask now? Mm -hmm. Like wh where, where do I, and by sub questions, I don't mean taken from the list of, of sort of prescribed sub questions. I'm, I'm very mm -hmm. um, flowing in my facilitation. So I will ask any question that seems relevant to the, to the process. Mm -hmm. um, anything that, 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 yeah. That, that, that feels like it could use some light for whatever mm -hmm. reason. And one of those reasons can be my own inner sense of either just curiosity or I don't understand this or this, mm -hmm. this just doesn't add up. It doesn't match like how I view the world. So there must be something that can be seen there or, you know, whatever it is. Okay. So I can do it silently just as a, just to inform me, like, where do I, where do I ask my next question? But also, yeah, I, I bring it in as, as part of like, right now I feel this, yeah. when you said that, like it had a huge impact on me. I, I felt this fear coming over me mm. as, you, as you spoke those words. 
so th that's what I'm with, or like, what's it for you to hear that? And, and I would say in, in 98 out of 100 cases, you know, it will be because the client skipped over something, mm. you know, some emotional kept it down and just moved on. And there was actually like a deep abyss there that they, that they habitually wanted to cover up. Mm. But I registered it or my unconscious or my nervous system registered, whoa, there's a lot going on here. And when I speak to that, it sort of brings attention back. And then we can go down that, that hole, that abyss, and actually find stuff down there that's, mm. that can be the whole, like the cause of whatever the whole thing is we're working on. Mm. I sense in myself that I, I think there's a delicate balance here. You know, it's, it's a little bit like as a facilitator, you need to have that level of awareness and experience to, to do this dance. Um, and I, I would certainly not feel like I'm on that, in that spot yet. I just have this kind of like sense that occasionally someone in the third question of the work says something and you notice they actually really say a nice, clean belief and with a certain emotion attached to it. And you can jump on it and do the work in the work in a way, mm -hmm. um, which occasionally seems to be perfectly working, I think, or, or really leading somewhere. So yeah. that is kind of like a miniature uh, experience I have of what you say, I think. Yes. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, I, I also see like this is really uh, something that comes with experience and that um, emotional attunement, maybe. Yeah. So I, I noticed that I last year after a course with you, I wanted to with some of the work buddies I have, I wanted to jump into this dance mode and uh -huh. actually bring in more questions and stuff like and I felt like I'm no, I'm playing out a role now. It's not right. It's not what is uh, um, sensible in the moment. Oh, good. Nice. Yeah. So yeah. so I guess what you say is, is a very yeah, it's, it comes over time and it's not nothing to aspire to or also nothing to ignore and be a robot like, but it's kind of naturally evolves in a way. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's very good. I think that's a very good perspective. Um, it's, it's the same thing really as before of trusting nature, uh, trusting the process and not moving ahead of it. Mm -hmm. But when you start uh, stepping into it, then to know that that others have had that experience and you can trust that and can be supportive. So not trying to make it, I like at the moment, the, the distinction between something that is prescriptive and something that is descriptive. Mm -hmm. So prescriptive means that, that you're giving instructions on how to do something and descriptive is that you're describing your experience. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the, one of the things we, we, we do and that I certainly did uh, in, in the beginning when I was reading you know, Lao Tzu or Katie or whoever, um, was to take their descriptions of their experience, that they're describing an experience, mm -hmm. and I then make it prescriptive. So I think I have to live up to, that's how I should live. Mm -hmm. but, but that's not, because it's not authentic and, and real for me, it becomes a layer I put on top of myself. And then it becomes this repression kind of thing, mm -hmm. right? But it's really nice to now read it again and notice, wow, I that's a very good description of what I've also found to be true for me, which is a very different, um, a very different place to come from. And, and you know, whether it's poetry or, or I, I think we can all have that experience. We read a poet's description of an emotional state or a, a particular painful part or, or beautiful, you know, surrender to God. And, and it's just, wow, that's, that's so such a good description of what I felt the other day. Mm -hmm. And then it resonates and we can step into it again, but we could never use it as a prescription because we can't feel it until it's ready. Mm -hmm. So in the same way with this, I agree. Don't, don't try to mimic mm -hmm. uh, like the, 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 that those particular skills, but be open to experimenting with them a little bit and, and sort of stick the foot in the water and you can go out a little deeper and deeper. And, and that way you gradually mm -hmm. learn to swim. <laughs> you know, instead of trying to just jump in the deep end full of lead, you know, yeah. um, because that's the other problem, right? That, that, that I would say um, the ability to do this, of course, goes hand in hand with doing your own work, both in terms of that's what gives you the insight that guides you, that you've been on the other side of that process a lot, but also that, you know, you, you've sort of, seen through some of those things that you would otherwise project on the client, because that's the other danger that it, that, that, oh, I'm just using myself as an instrument, but what I'm doing is I'm 
projecting all my own stuff onto you and trying to lead you in certain directions. Mm-hmm. And, so, and so there is that balance that you point to. And one of the ways to feel it is, is it important for me now that the client gets this? Mm-hmm. Or am I just coming from an honest suggestion of this mm-hmm. could be a way? And the moment there is a motive to push the client in a certain direction, you know that this is not you being a clear sounding board or like a, an instrument. Mm-hmm. You, you are somehow um, stepping in with your own stuff, the instrument isn't pure enough or whatever we call it. So in that area, I should probably back off a little bit like, oh, there's too much wanding here. So let me, let me stay off it. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. That's a good, um, I was just imagining kind of like a dance, we had that word before, but kind of like, when you know, you sort of like push the other too far and you see there's, there's something not making it flowy in a way. Precisely. Um, so then, then that, there's a clear signal to step back in a way. Yeah, um, yeah. Dance is a lovely dance is a lovely uh, is a lovely image, and and uh, and the question is who lead who who's leading, mm-hmm. right? And does the person leading want to get to a certain place on the either on the dance floor or with the person they're dancing with? Right? <laughs> Are we going for the kiss or or like is there like a a, a strong a desire to achieve something yeah. then the dance isn't free then the dance is 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 moving towards a destination yes but but if but if we can let go of that and the leading comes like we don't even know who's leading it's a it's a co-created process of movement that's when we know that that um, our contribution is as valuable as the other person's contribution in a way mm. and and then the inquiry becomes a shared experience mm. rather than being uh, just you doing your work and me as a bystander. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and it's tricky territory, you know, because mm-hmm. as you say, we very easily overstep and and just know that's also fine. I mean, the worst mm-hmm. that can happen is that, that that becomes the cause of some more work. I mean, there's mm-hmm. no... Mm-hmm. One thing I really like about the work is that, 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 that it's, it, it's very difficult to do any harm. It, it's It's... Mm. It's so gentle and so organic that that it's almost impossible to. The worst that can happen is that nothing happens, and even that I don't think ever happens. You can't spend an hour on a topic, really looking at a topic, without something, some sort of new awareness coming out of it. Mm-hmm. I, I I just can't imagine that. So happens to be my more limited experience as well. But but I was just jumping to a memory of, of one discussion I had with someone in, uh, on the work. And he said, like, isn't it dangerous to re-traumatize sort of like people? Yeah. Um, is, is that a possibility um, in your opinion? Well, um, re-traumatization happens when emotional content uh, that was overwhelming back when it happened, mm-hmm. where the trauma was 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 happened right you were overwhelmed with certain emotional content that was too much for your system so you got a trauma you sort of locked it down in in a freeze or flight or fight or whatever but you 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 locked it in there and then the therapeutic process is intended to uh release that that frozen content in a way or abandoned content back into consciousness um but in but in a way that is that is um uh what's the opposite of overwhelm in a way that is containable or like in a way that you can, that you can handle. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so, so one way to say what a trauma is, is to say it's something that happens too fast, uh, too much and, uh, and at at the wrong time Mm -hmm. in a way. Right. And, and so, so now we want to do it at the right time, not too much and not too, and slowly. Mm -hmm. And that's the balance. And so a re-traumatization happens if you if you step into this kind of material and and the overwhelm happens again, right? So mm-hmm. you you again it's too much. And for some people, some of this stuff they're working on can be deep tra- deeply traumatic. Mm-hmm. And so and so approaching it in a very careful way mm-hmm. is uh, is healthy. So it only comes in like to the extent that we can take it. And mm-hmm. as a facilitator, then and th- and I would say that's the difference between a therapist and a facilitator, right? Um, Mm -hmm. or one of the differences a therapist takes some sort of responsibility for pushing or or moving the client into something and should have a broad knowledge about what they're doing in order to not re-traumatize the person Mm -hmm. a facilitator holds the space with questions and stuff but there's no push which Mm -hmm. means that the 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 client system 
that I spoke about before, which mm -hmm. has this intelligence to protect itself. These protection mechanisms are not overstepped. Mm -hmm. So there is a higher likelihood that the client will stay within the window of tolerance in terms of how much um, content they are allowing into their system. Mm -hmm. Having said that, of course, there are people who are sometimes so traumatized that they can't even you know, regulate, their nervous system can't yeah. regulate this on their own. And they, and they are in danger of just, you know, they see a bird flying by and, the, and, and, and so much is activated that they deregulate, their nervous system gets so unregulated mm -hmm. that they fall back into the trauma again. And, and I would say, um, for me, uh, that's where I feel that the limitations of the work is, that, that the, 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 the client or the person doing their self-inquiry must have a certain level of ability to self-regulate. Mm -hmm. at least in the state from which they're doing their work, right? So we mm -hmm. can be triggered and unregulated. And then at a later point, we sit down and we look back at it. And we have to be able to hold ourselves in that, sometimes aided by a facilitator, but, but fundamentally we need to be able to hold ourselves because it's a self-inquiry. Mm -hmm. And then if you are traumatized beyond that, you need someone else to hold you. And I would say that's when we need a professional of some mm -hmm. sort that is willing to take the responsibility for, you know, you can let go now and I will hold a safe space for you, a safe container for you. Mm -hmm. But that's usually a longer process, <clears throat> which requires a, a contract in a way, like a, mm -hmm. not necessarily written, but between you and me that, you will, that we will stay on this journey together. And it can be a journey of half a year, a year, several years to, to, to work all the way through. And mm -hmm. this, this, this ther therapist then should have a plan of how to approach this based on you know, experience and, and preferably, you know, clinical studies and stuff mm -hmm. to know that with this kind of trauma, this is the right approach and we have to take it, we have a direction where the work is more, you know, going with what shows up in the moment. Like this mm -hmm. is this is what's alive for you right now. So let's work on that. And then next mm -hmm. time we'll see what shows up. It's it's rarely like a continued journey, like a therape the therapeutic process is. Mm -hmm. So in that way, um, in that way, uh, I would say, you could say, yes, there is a danger of re-traumatizing. If as a facilitator, you, 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 you know, usually innocently mm. push too much. And, and one of the thing, one of the push things that can happen is that, you know, having realized that for the work to work, we need to have the emotional resonance happening. We need to have mm. the whole nervous system activated. We can't just stay in the, in the, in the head. Well, a reason why some people stay in the head is that there is a trauma that they're avoiding mm -hmm. stepping into. And so if I, as a facilitator, then say, well, sit in it and feel it and, and you know, go deeper into the feeling and sort of push them into the feeling, that's mm -hmm. when an overwhelm can happen. Mm -hmm. and, and that's when I'm overstepping. It goes from being an invitation to being like um, a prescription again or, or mm -hmm. uh, an instruction. And uh, yeah. Which can happen in all situations, I would add. You know, you can be mm -hmm. re-traumatized over dinner, right? Mm -hmm. uh, yes. Uh, so, yeah. so, so, uh, but of course, the danger is higher when we sort of consciously sit down to work on a particular uh, content. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So, so I think it's good to know the limitations of the work, and I think the limitations are, or inquiry and the limitation goes where are you as the client able to hold yourself mm -hmm. uh, as you step into this. Um, and then you can lose yourself on your way, but you have that fundamental, then I can bring you back as a facilitator, I can invite you back into safe space. Mm -hmm. But if you can't make that move uh, yourself, then, then you probably should find a different path. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. Interesting. Uh -huh. yeah. Thank you. I was wondering, um, you, you had this image of not pushing the client into these emotions, like prescriptively, forcefully pushing yeah. them into it. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, what about clients that say outside of this traumatization question, but when clients say something like, I know it's all my projection or when they, when they kind of like are very talkative and not in this meditative um, nervous system connected realm. Right. Um, how do you deal with that? I mean, there are the possibilities to kind of like push someone out or say like, stop, the work is not functioning when we're, when we're leaving that space. Well, we can have a chat, but well, that's not the work, you know? Or is it, is it kind of like, how do you deal with it when there's a willingness to do the work, but there's this resistance in a way? Yeah. Well, I think there may be a difference in how I deal with it and how I would uh, uh, um, recommend dealing with it mm -hmm. for most people. 
Um, so to take the recommendation first, I think, uh, and this is also what I do in many cases, is to just point that out. Mm-hmm. Because it is your inquiry, and I'm just your facilitator. I'm not your therapist. I'm I'm just holding mm-hmm. a space for you. And if I notice something, I would I would point that like if you go into a story, for instance, I, I see mm-hmm. it as my job to point that out and say, my experience mm-hmm. is that you're in a story now. Is that also your experience? And then you mm-hmm. might say, no, no, I'm. This is really important. And then fine, you know, by all means, I, this was just what I noticed. And in many cases, the client would say, oh, thank you. Yes, of course. Let me get back to what's going on. For instance, right. Mm-hmm. The same goes for not being in the meditative space or the, the like uh, embodied um, uh, mode that um, I, would, I would say, you know, I noticed that, that this feels a little heady for me or it sounds like it's very intellectual for you. Do you feel that, you, like, that, that this impacts you on an emotional level? Or, or sometimes if it's someone very new, I would explain that the work, for the work to work, it requires this kind of emotional uh, activation of the nervous system. And so <clears throat> if that's not present, then, then it won't be as effective. Mm. Um, and, and so, so it's, it's mainly holding up that mirror and saying, this is what I noticed right now. Does that resonate? And if it does, you know, let's work together to find a way to, to, to get into that space that we need to, that we need to get into. Mm-hmm. So I guess I, I wouldn't, um, if it's very, uh, uh, if it's very strong, then I would invite the client into uh, the decision making and the the actual uh, like process of getting there. In other cases, of course, it's just a matter of the energy goes up a little bit, which it does. Mm-hmm. You know, we get lost in the head and, or in the story, and we go in there, and then we don't have to, you know, because there is something a little disruptive about mm-hmm. saying, "Hey, I noticed," like stepping out in a meta meta position and talking about the facilitation instead of being in the facilitation. So, usually, I would first just do like little invitations like and how does that feel mm-hmm. or like what do you notice mm-hmm. happens uh, emotionally when you when you think about that or what's it like for you to realize that that you do this or like these kinds of questions that skillfully invite someone into a more emotional or embodied or meditative uh, space or i would say okay let that in <clears throat> just breathe that in you know as best you can <clears throat> let that sink in to your system or like I, I have all these ways I would use mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. now um, specifically for me, I would say that, that, that um, I, I, I notice I have some capacity for, for holding the complexity of clients that are very uh, complicated and want to go to very intellectual and, and big discussions and stuff. And I personally have found in my life that that can have validity that it's not always um, an abandonment or an escape or a, a, a moving away from something, but for some uh, people, it's a way in. If they are mm. just if they're built that way, that they they really want to understand something first, and then they can surrender to it. So so I find that 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 for me, if I notice that in a client that I that I trust that somehow they 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 have a sincere genuine wanting to go to where where the meditative state would take them and there's just stuff in the way or they, they they need to be held a little bit in that i like to meet that and hold that and challenge that a little bit with some elements from my map so it can be a little more dialogue or mm-hmm. a little more out of a meditative state and then we do a deep dive now and then mm-hmm. then okay okay so notice that like I've, i you you get across some of the mental barriers that opens up and then you can say okay so so take a moment with that realization, just mm-hmm. sink into that and let that sort of come all the way down into your body. Like you actually don't have to do this. Mm-hmm. And so even if it's been a slightly intellectual realization at first, then we can anger it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 and I know that for many, um, uh, it can feel, it can feel like I, 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 have ha- I have talked to people who say, I don't feel very much. So when mm-hmm. a facilitator tells me to feel something, I've just begun to fake it because it's easy. So I just pretend to feel it until they're done with it, right? Because there is this subtle, like, like in the whole self-development uh, realm and in the work as well, there, there seems to be this um, uh, preference for emotions 
and feeling and crying and, and big explosions on the emotional level and, and a little sort of disregard of, of the more intellectual or the mere intellectual approach. And, and of course I support that because I'm totally, we need the whole nervous system active, but there is this making, making people wrong who have an intellectual mm -hmm. approach. And usually they have already met that many times in their lives by partners and, and, and mm -hmm. friends and, 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 and people like the classic would be some man who's mm -hmm. gone the intellectual route. And every time he, he's discussing with his wife, she'll go, well, you're so intellectual. And I just feel this. And he'll have met this again and again, you know, from, from people around him that, that they judge him to be too intellectual in his approach. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of pain around that. So if, if he meets a facilitator mm -hmm. that says, well, how does that feel? Or, well, can you feel that? Or like go more into your body. Then, then, then that'll shut down. Like mm. some, some defense will come up because they've been met that way so many times. Mm. And to me, it really isn't a problem. So I, I, I will mm -hmm. just stay with them and show them that's as welcome. Like that part of you is as loved as any other part of you. Let's, let's play with that for a while. It's perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. And then over time, they will usually that's my experience with those that has that, that I've worked with for a longer time, they will gradually by themselves go deeper and deeper into, there will be more and more of these deep dives. And you can feel like that, that, that the whole frequency in a way just lowers mm -hmm. in their, in their approach. And so, um, so basically facilitating, um, you cannot really do anything wrong as long as you're not pushing the client or yourself uh, towards something. That's what I would say for sure. Yeah. For sure, if, if, as long as there's no push, push. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. I just had this kind of like headline in front of my eyes that, that says yeah. like, like about this invitational character of it. Yeah. It's all an invitation. The work itself is an inv invitation to go into yourself. Um, every step along the way is an invitation into in the, so invitation is a big word for it and a, and a good metaphor. I agree, I agree. The work of Byron Katie is copyrighted by Byron Katie International. You can read more on www.thework.com. For more podcasts like this one, videos with tips and tricks, articles on the work and online courses, visit theartofbeinghuman.com. And feel free to contact me if you have any questions or comments to this podcast. You can find my contact information on theartofbeinghuman.com or you can simply send an email to ernest at theartofbeinghuman.com. Thank you for listening.